Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Josh Brown, why don't you love laptops? <laughs> <laughs> because I cannot believe that you're opening gambit. I'll tell you why I don't like laptops, Scott Tailford. Because I work on one eight hours a day. I don't want to go home and then open up another laptop to watch YouTube on that. You're nuts for anyone what who do you mean? doesn't know what we're talking about. Scott's yeah. I, wanna, I, I do want to put this out this to the, the populace. Right now, we want to put it out to everyone because yeah. it's a very much a game and habits thing that we talked about a few weeks ago. But you didn't mention it there for some reason. When Scott Tailford, and I'll let him tell it in his own words, <laughs> likes to chill out in the living room, uh-huh. play a game, watch something on the television... Uh-huh. He'll have the second screen experience of a laptop <laughs> open on the coffee table. Yeah. And you're going to do both. To yeah. me, that's like, that's abhorrent. It's evil. What do you mean? You're the one having full screen YouTube videos. That's madness to me. You could be playing games and having YouTube on the side. Oh, man. Yeah. got to focus on one thing at a time. Says who? Says the me. The man. Get, get lovely YouTube videos up uh-huh. like our very own. <laughs> Watch them in a beautiful 4K or 1080p in the big screen. You not know? 4K for us, I don't Get think. the cinema experience. Probably not for us, but for some. If for someone's some, got the production value, then maybe it's worth the old full screen. But I, I mean, we talked about this yesterday at length yeah, in but person, but still, I mean, we are in person now. But listen, still. I also really like, you know, sometimes I mentioned this, but, uh, you know, if I'm playing a multiplayer game, playing Call of Duty or something where mm. I don't really need to listen or I've seen the levels over and over again, sometimes I'll maybe put the football on the laptop or I'll put Love Island on the laptop, catch Apparently. up on an episode, because what's on the big telly doesn't require my full attention. Yeah. But you playing through something for the first time, and uh-huh. I'll never forget this. I'll never. <laughs> I'll be thinking about this until I'm dead. <laughs> playing through, for instance, Resident Evil Four for the first time Remake. on the telly, yes. and then having a podcast going on on the laptop. Yeah. To me, I'm just thinking. Not the thing is, hell. there's nuance to this. Not from the beginning of that game. My golden rule is: I'll always start whatever it is for a specific game in full screen. I want the music. I want the atmosphere. I want everything for it. But a good few hours in, if it feels like we're in a lull, and in Resident Evil. Four's case, there was a bit of a lull. The, the, the thing, so I was in the castle bit. I'm just mopping up the castle. I'm just killing zombies. The castle isn't. I cannot believe you have described one that castle as a lull. I don't. Best mean, part of that game. It, no, it definitely is. I mean that like it's a lull in terms of cutscene stuff. I don't need the the full audio at that point. I can and plus also we're not talking about crossover in audio levels. Like if I've got the the game feed on, I'm still hearing the gunshots. I'm still hearing everything. I can pause my other screen if I need to. That's somehow worse. <laughs> it's, it's somehow worse to have the noise of the game and the noise of the podcast competing with yeah. each other. Yeah. I 
like like I said, I have no problem with you know meshing that stuff. I think you do when you're mopping stuff up. Yeah. But when you're going through the Resident Evil Four game of the year castle <laughs> for the first time, and you've got like podcast people in your ear, uh-huh. that is something that is so alien to me. I think in that I specific, it. it's, it's always game by game. It's always like per title, how much I'll uh, choose my focus between the two. In Resident Evil 4's case, I was like, I know what this is. This is fine. I can knock the TV volume down a little bit, crank up a little podcast for a bit, enjoy both. And then when something happens again, pause the feed and have That's, Resident Evil 4 again. That, that, that to me, the, the words, when something happens, implies <laughs> that... For the most part, nothing is happening, and I just can't get my brain around it. No, but it's just the, the subtitles are on. I'm keeping up with everything. Don't worry. About as long it. as you're having a nice time, I'm 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 fine with it. I don't know. If it's you're... just like, what's the only way get back into it, right? Because. <laughs> You've got the laptop open, save for a podcast, like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, or just random videos, Netflix. Random just, videos? Yeah. You're watching, like, Charlie Bit Me Finger while you go through Resi 4. <laughs> what a pull. <laughs> 2007 zone. I just, I don't, I don't fathom the laptop thing. One, because I don't want to see my laptop after I've been yeah, you, at work you, all I day. think your core thing is that you hate laptops. I, well, it is, kind of. Yeah. I associate it with work. I think they're bulky. I think they're cumbersome. Yeah, if I'm going to listen to a podcast, right, mm. I'll put it through Spotify on my phone and then link that to the television. I'll 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 substitute the laptop every time for a phone I think because there's something to me about having the laptop open that just isn't cozy. That's uh, well, that's, so that's a personal preference thing, but I just I can't get over that's that. That's definitely the thing that um, the, the having that whole thing where you have like the laptop for me is like an extension of myself. If I think of something, I'm going to Google it. I want to know something. I want to put if I there's something in the game, something in the big screen thing reminds me of something. I'll put that clip on stand up comedy, an old YouTube show, Hollywood Roundtable, whatever. Put that thing on there. But and also if if it's none of that stuff, it's just Spotify. That's like where the music's coming from. Yeah. But you have music coming through your TV. Like you go yes. through the PlayStation 5's built thing. Yeah. That's madness to me. Whether you just connect your phone to the television and then you get the sound through the television where the other sound is coming from. Locating it all in one place Mm. is what I like. I don't like having the television sound coming at me and then having a laptop to the side and then being able to hear that speaker. (laughs) It's like to the the side. Over my attention. Don't know, man. There's just every time you mention something, I'm like, we, we, we. One, I'm like, how do you live? And then, and then two, I'm like, I could never live like that. I can't, but, I don't, I can't imagine having like, um, like a, a YouTube suggestion comes up and you're like, well, I'll have to wait and watch that full screen. Like, yeah. no. Well, that's the thing. It's my relaxing time. If someone's, you know, it is relaxing. One of my favorite video essay, essayists has released an eight-hour video. We're getting into nuts territory here. That's primetime yeah. television that, content. No, 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 God, no. What? I would never want to dedicate eight hours of my life to a full-screen passive experience. Put that on the laptop and let me play through something, preferably a multiplayer game that just has that on the side. But I'm not talking about taking all of the eight hours in at once. You know, no, I'll, I'll do still. that in chunks. So you wouldn't do a television show on the big screen for eight hours in the same way. I'm not classing the eight-hour essay as a TV show. It depends what it is. Is that right? That's if where we're talking we would differ, I think. Game of Thrones, Last of Us, you know, something with a big production value. Yeah, 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 that, that's going full screen. But, but if it's, it's anything I can get away with but, and, and play a game, I'll play the game. But if you will say, okay, say you were watching a sitcom that didn't okay. come under yeah, those. Yeah, Friends is a perfect one for Netflix. On, you, on the laptop. You'd whack that on the laptop yeah. every time, would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, but I've also seen that like a million times. Listen, I, I, like I said at the start, I, I get you listening to a podcast while you're <laughs> playing a game. 
Certainly, that's fine. Uh-huh. Watching a TV show on the laptop while playing a game. The eyes are going between both screens, my friend. How does the brain keep up? <laughs> my, I couldn't. I couldn't focus on one or the other. I feel like I was missing bits from each one. How would you get the atmosphere if you're watching like a, I don't know, like a crime drama on the laptop and you've got. <laughs> A Final Fantasy on the television, how do you get in the zone? It just depends what it is. It depends what sort of production value has gone into it. It depends whether it needs that level, level of atmosphere. Like I said, with Resident Evil 4 and that certain part of that game, I was like, I can put something else on here. Needs it. It needs it. That's, but the, the, the beauty, <laughs> the beauty, the beauty of it to me, of uh-huh. watching things and playing things and listening to things is like being in its world, being in its zone. I agree. For, for X amount of time. Yes. And I, I just, Again, per- entirely personal preference. Yes. Couldn't imagine purposefully breaking myself out of that zone by having my attention diverted to something completely different. If well, I was listening, you know, admittedly, like yes. I said, sometimes I play games while listening to podcasts. When I was mopping up stuff in Resident Evil 4 and uh-huh. I was doing my sixth playthrough, I was listening to a podcast about uh-huh. two people talk about Resident <laughs> Evil 4, and that was like a cool little vibe yeah well you're saying like you, outside of that, no? you had the football on the laptop and you were playing some game but yeah. it's i mean you could argue your thing of like well shouldn't you be watching the football it's the atmosphere the crowd you should watch that on full screen get the full experience i'm pleased you mentioned i should have been doing that <laughs> every single time i've watched something on the laptop you know uh, uh, someone will score a goal mm. i'll miss it and i'll be watching the replay right and i kind of think to myself every time well i could have just watched match of the day <laughs> or watch the highlights later on i every time i do it I, I want to experience both, like you said. And with football, it's kind of different mm. because it's live, right? And, you know, it's like you can't really watch that after the fact. You'll see the score. It won't be as fun. Yes. So I do that more out of necessity because I need to keep up to, up to date with, you know, whatever World Cup um, playoff it is or whatever. Yes. So that's – I do it out of, like, not out of joy. It's out of necessity at that right. point, I would say. I just, I like taking, I, mean, I just, I go between the two and then it's like when something starts to kick in a bit more, where I, you can just, you can feel it, you can always feel it per thing, but it's like, oh, this TV show's getting a bit good, I'll pause the game, watch it properly. Maybe the TV show then gets good enough that it manages to upgrade, promote itself to the full screen. What? I just, I go between the two. In my brain. Two content I, feeds. I understand what you think, what, what your, your reasoning there, yeah. but to, to devise a competition at all where one thing has to be good enough for my main attention yeah. to the big screen, that's nuts to me. Well, no, no, it, it's definitely all circling around the fact that I only ever want to play video games. They, those are the, okay. that's what I want to do. So if I'm going to give up that, like my ideal for a TV show or a movie, it needs to be damn good. It needs to. Have, it needs to feel like it deserves that full screen. That makes more sense. Yeah. If, if your like default is video games and that's what you want to be doing, and anything else doesn't necessarily feel like a chore, but it feels like it takes that extra step. I can it's see not Final Fantasy, is it? why you would you 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 would get to that point, but the honestly, man, like the idea you told me before we started recording that, yeah. you know, there was some episodes of Succession that you were watching while you were playing on that the Switch. final season got bad. So it's got I, bad. I, <laughs> I was so. What? I mean, that whole show requires you to have a level of investment in a bunch of detached rich people that I did not have. So I did not love that show as much as most other people. And by the time we got to the final season, I really just didn't care. I was just like, yeah. Are you going to all kill each other? No, right? Okay, good. Don't care. Can uh, I play games now? It's, 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 you're brutalizing me <laughs> at this point. Better Call Saul was on a full screen. No, it most was of the not. Time. No. What do you mean? How many of those episodes did you watch in work in your lunch break? On a full screen, though. <laughs> no, the no, attention no, was no, all the way there. No, don't, do not. We're not talking screen size here. <laughs> no. What do you mean? The full, scr- the full size computer screen does not count yes, as a big does. screen. No. No, actually, your argument is multiple streams at once. So when I watched no. Better Call Saul, that was on my lunch break. On a computer screen. Oh. 
full screen, all attention, 100%. Honestly, I remember you were doing that. And you, I remember you trying to encourage me to watch it because, you know, it's Better Call Saul. It's yeah. the final season. You Spoilers well. are going to be happening. Uh-huh. Should we cover it for some content? Yeah. In the idea, our office can be really fun, but the idea of watching <laughs> Better Call Saul on a lunch break in an office full of people I who might be on. talking or might be trying to grab you for something actually like this that's my hell that is my hell they knew what was up and also back then it was only me and you in the office anyway i think uh, sometimes yeah but that's sometimes. no my point is if we're talking about multiple streams multiple uh, feeds coming at you in that particular time that was one screen well, my gen- my general resting state though is a, a multiple feeds person no unless longer, the thing is good enough and then it takes over the full attention like final fantasy 16 no longer being facetious my entire thing in life is trying to <laughs> minimize screens as much as possible mm. i don't even want to look at my phone after work man like <laughs> i think this is your core thing i think you just don't don't like laptops. I don't. Or the, or I the don't, idea of I putting a laptop on. Like I say, it's just not. It's not cozy to you've, me. You've got the. Con- it has a connotation with you where it's it's too close to work. Whereas to me, it's just not. It's an extension yeah. of me. It's a portal into everything. It's all knowledge. It's all entertainment. It's everything. It's it's everything. That's car oh, man. Like yeah, it's two things. One is the work thing. Uh-huh. I do associate it too much with work. But two is like the overstimulation thing of if I have too many screens <sighs> or too many. Um, audio sources going on at the same time, I'll feel like my brain is on fire a little bit and I won't be able to focus. I won't be able to divert my attention on one or the other. Mm. I like, I want to get in the zone. Like I said, I want to get in the zone. I want to calm the brain down. Mm. I want to focus on one thing, not have to think about anything else, (laughs) not think about work, not think about what I'm making for tea, what I'm doing for tomorrow. Just focus on that one thing. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else that brings me as much joy as that. I like two or three things at once. (laughs) It's uh, If I can split the laptop screen so I can have multiple windows open at once. I'll do that as well. I've, uh, I like all that. Stuff. I'm kind of like that scene in uh, The Simpsons where Apu has all the logos flying past him as he sort of yeah. breathes it all in. Or I'm some sort of Venn diagram where I'm in the middle and I'm like the Bring Me the Horizon some paternal cover where there's just all the overlapping circles yeah. and I'm just in the middle. They, all, you know they all flow through me. And you do certainly get through a lot of stuff that way. I'll yeah. give you that. You know, you, you absorb a lot of stuff. As only so many Very hours. knowledgeable guy. Thank you. Yeah. Only so many hours in the day. If I'm going to get through a big list, I'll open all the tabs on YouTube. I'll get through all them. Like if I, I can't get through as much YouTube as I want to. If I'm if I'm prioritizing, who prioritizes YouTube, Josh? It's my favorite thing to do, man. Like I've I've watched more YouTube over the past two years than I have movies. You could have been playing games alongside them. Nah, but I, I don't, don't. want to play games for that long. I like I love games. I do this podcast all the time. Talk about games all the time. Yeah. Play games all the time. But I need you do some other stuff. <laughs> I, I just, recommend guitar. I need you to just chill out. Yes, and listen to some music for forty five minutes and do nothing else. No <sighs> screens on. Give me, give me that, give me that zone. It's not like it's not like that. The sixties, Josh. <laughs> getting your headphones on and a, a few, a, a nice book in the corner. This is something I also can't fathom, Go and on. I'm going to reveal this secret as well. <clears throat> so you taught me that sometimes when you're watching a movie because it's a passive thing, yeah. you need you you like you'll bust out the guitar. Yeah, yeah. While you're but, I, but you interpret this as the guitar making too much noise. It, I'm just practicing scales. I'm just going through. It's not plugged in. But, but it's not it's, an acoustic guitar it's, either. It's not the, the. It's not the thing itself. Right. It's like the. I couldn't focus on two things at once. So if I was, even if I was practicing scales, even right. if it was like muscle memory, uh-huh. like there's a part of my brain focusing on that. And it means that there's a part of my brain not focusing on the television. And it means that my brain is now at a war, which I don't <laughs> love. I definitely love, I definitely don't have that feeling where it's like, oh my God, I can't divide my attention between multiple things. Like I'm, I, I like, I, I don't, that's not a negative to me at all. I think also like the training the muscle memory thing is just something that you need to get good at if you're going to do an instrument because you can't be too aware of, You'll be too aware of it. It does need to be fundamentally muscle memory at some point. Then that's, that's again, totally fine, you know? But to me, that then, though, sounds like the 
most important thing in that scenario is the guitar because like you said that's what you're training your brain to do you're training mm-hmm. it to to learn that part of it and is that true or are you still focused on the television uh what, it like, depends if the skills that i'm practicing remind me of a song and then i'll look up the actual song and then i am just playing the song i think it's impressive i think like <clears throat> you you're kind of like neo in the matrix when he's downloading all of the software yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. You, you know learning all those skills you're getting all of that information i kind of wish i could do it but at the same time i think my brain might explode i think the, yeah, we talk about how horrific my memory is it's probably because you're actually taking things in whereas uh, i'm taking about five things in at once i'm i'm buffeting the content life yeah i'm dipping i'm buffeting well i think that even tr- like translates over to work where we've got like a bunch of different projects on at the same time. It's like, mm. we're going to do a bit of this, do a bit of that, jump into this. I also don't like that and I try to minimize <laughs> that as much as possible. But it's it's the way of the modern world, isn't it? A lot of stuff going on at once. It is a bit. I want you to turn on all the content feeds and I'll just try and keep up. That's what keeps me going. I don't want any content. I think that's my <clears> issue. That's my, my core issue right now is like where... We're, we're subject to so much content, mm. you know, during the day, during the night, all over, from your phone, from your laptop, from your, sc- your television screen, from your True. PlayStation. And I'm like, nah, I need to, I want to curate that a little bit more. I was just going to say. I currently am. Curation is the key. That's why I, yeah. I love uh, being able to sort of have, like, the select amount of specific YouTube videos that I want, the select video games that I'm doing, the multiplayer spaces that are best experienced with a podcast in the background, unless it needs the atmosphere of a very intense battle royale or something yeah. like that. That's it. You know, like, 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 like I said, to... To, to wrap this up into a lovely bow, I think it's bloody beautiful. <laughs> like you get to experience all these things at the same time. I think it's, it. it makes a lot of sense to have something on the screen when you're not too bothered about what's on the television. My only issue, my only issue <laughs> is when that, to me, would detract from the first time through something. Yes. Whether that's a TV show or whether that's a game because it is it is the Resi 4 Castle thing that I can't get over. Yeah, which is by far the worst image to send you at that point because that's definitely <laughs> not indicative of what I would do if I was going through something first time. Final Fantasy 16 commands the screen, unless I'm just right. mopping up combat trophies like I have been now that I've finished it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the vast majority, it's going to be full screen the whole way through. Final Fantasy 4, can't get enough of that on a full screen. There you go. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a lovely time. Speaking of lovely time, this is the Entitled Battle Podcast where almost 20 minutes into it, I'm Scott Silver. that's Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Silver. Filling in once again because Jules Gale is doing a business future game show does not abate. The man's been pulled between various <laughs> different planning projects. Go check out that channel to see what the man's up to. Um, but still, the UBP continues the Entitled Panda podcast, and I put the tweet out asking people for whatever their gaming takes were and whatever they'd like us to talk about. I also asked them for marks out of 10 for 2023 so far. Yeah. To take that however you want, gut feeling, we'll see what people have uh, voted for. And I also asked people for their albums of the year. I thought we could do a little music check in. I love Because that. why not? Oh, so you've really treated me today. I know. Well, I knew you were going to be on there. So I thought, well, why not? So we'll get to some album stuff as the questions roll out. I want to quickly ask you what your album of the year is so far. It's a good question. There's been a lot of good ones this year. There's mm. not really a standout favorite. To be honest, I really it's like. Token fantasy. I'm not sleep talking fantasy. Even though I am seeing them live next month. Yes, but I'll eat and being album. piped into your ears from me on that the is, daily. That is true. I love the new 100 Gex album. Yes. I love the new Lana Del Rey album. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's not out until next month. Uh, Spanish Love Songs have a new one out called No Joy. It all three singles have been bangers so far. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely a contender. A lot of my potential albums of the year are out in the second half. So it's, ah. it could mix things up. But right now, yeah, that Lana one. 100 gecks, I think. That's a shout. I discovered the Spanish Love songs this morning. You put them on for me. Very, very nice. Uh, my albums of the year so far are by far Sleep Token. I think that's just going to be the runaway number one. If you're into Sleep Token, if they've clicked with you, they, there's just nothing better than that band. Uh, you put them on incredible. a few times and they haven't yeah. quite clicked with me yet, but oh. I, they're astronomically 
popular. Yeah. So I feel like I'm really missing out on I it. just, uh, all three of their albums so far have been incredible, building on each one. And then the, I love that the end of the new one ends with what the first one starts with. So if you want to just listen to a loop for the rest of the year or forever, you just can. And it's very nice. I'll also shout out Metallica's album, uh, 72 Seasons, and the Foo Fighters album. Uh, even though I forgot the name of it, but I think the new Foo's album is really good as well. Um, there's clearly way more, but I will definitely say Sleep Token is my number one. Question from the 193rd Gunner of 2023, who says, we all know the games, sorry, we all know the games that spawned slash revolutionized a genre. Dark Souls, Breath of the Wild, Super Mario 64. But what about games that have killed a genre? Are there any way you feel that we've reached a point where we all said, enough of that? I love this question, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think- I love all the questions. Oh yeah, I love all the questions. Uh, this one in particular, I think- Honestly, something like Marvel versus Capcom 3 or Street Fighter 5, which for a time we Ooh. had all of these fighting games that came out. Which Street Fighter 4 brought back, to be fair. Yeah, it yeah. absolutely did. But then after that, I think we just got a bunch of fighting games with no content. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, but Injustice so... 2 was just after that. Ah, but there was a window in between them. Nah, there was definitely a window in between them where we Did had these have? games from Capcom and whatnot. Mm. In Injustice was in, and Mortal Kombat, I think, very much the outliers, very much like skirted around this. True. But for the time, it felt like every other major, fran- uh, every other major fighting franchise mm. was in dire straits because they just kind of mistreated the consumer in a lot of ways. They Mm -hmm. were putting out these bare-bones arcade modes. They weren't investing much in story Mm. modes. And I just felt like we got a bunch of releases that didn't have much to them Whereas on the other side of the field, you had NetherRealm with their franchises being like, this is how it should be done. So it didn't kill fighting games for good, but I do think it killed a lot of uh, key fighting franchises, at least for a little bit. Mm. And I think that's why we have Street Fighter VI now, which learned those lessons and kind of realized we can't do that again. (laughs) We need to give the players something substantial. We need to come back uh, in force. And I think we're back on the upswing. But I genuinely think there were a few years in like the early 2010s where it looked like it just wasn't going to be a big genre for the next. That's a really good, yeah. The early 2010s is a wasteland for fighting games. Like it was like Street Fighter V was like the one of the worst ones in 2015. But then you also, like you said, like Dragon Ball Fighters, I feel it was a massive deal. Like finally true. nailing the Dragon Ball IP in like a 2D fighter. Um, and then like Injustice and then Mortal Kombat and everything. Um, for me, it's it's quite a, it's low hanging fruit considering just how much it's talked about at the minute. But the, the go-to live service model, I feel like just because of, we should talk about Suicide Squad because I feel like that's emblematic of everything. That game, I genuinely think will be a miracle if it doesn't bomb. Yeah. Like, I just feel like that is, people actively want to hate it. Like, it's it's emblematic of everything wrong with the industry, well, not everything, but a lot of things wrong with the industry in regards to just boring game design. Like, I just, I don't, I don't believe that Rocksteady wanted to make it. I just right. feel like it was entirely mandated by um, a, a corporate mandate to get as many loot systems and potential monetization systems in there as possible, even though they're having conversations saying it's not going to have that stuff. It clearly will, or it was designed for it, or maybe they take it out for launch or whatever. They've obviously delayed it by about a year to try and make some version of it that's more palatable. The guts of it are effed. Like, there's yeah. just no way that you may, that you can bring that thing back around, um, especially with the state of the DC EU or whatever you want to call it and everything else, and Flash losing $200 million. Um, yeah, it would be the live service elements. It's just that idea of there's a certain type of hood. It's in Assassin's Creed. It's in, like, it's that whole mouse cursor hood thing. It's the four tiers of loot rarity where there's a purple one at the top or whatever. Um, I just think people are sick of it. I feel like the emerging backlash to uh, Diablo 4, the sort of like, the more people, more time people spend with Diablo 4. And I kind of, I feel like I said this when I first played it and then it was the 
the general reaction was like, well, that's just what Diablo is. Yeah. How repetitive and how boring Diablo 4 is because the level and the enemies all scale with you. So nothing means anything in that game. Mm. It is all just designed to push you eventually towards the microtransactions with the premium skins to get the stuff that is more unique because everything is just this big sort of mush of just like, do you want some game for infinite time? Yeah. And I feel like over time, the more people have played it, um, you know, there is this, this conversation around it just being like, is it actually that good? Because it does lean too much on the live service infinite playtime thing. And it's just stuff like that. Games that aren't designed to be finished. that mm. are just going to monetize the F out of you. I hope they do go away. I yeah. want to finish more games, please. I want to throw one more in, if you'll permit me. Always. Back in the day when modern military shooters were like the big thing, I feel like we had a few releases that just kind of killed oh. that dead. You know, yes. we had Medal of Honor. Um, was it Warfighter, I think that game was? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then we had a couple others where it was just like, we can't keep doing this anymore. <laughs> um, I need to shout out a specific game for this. Go on. There's a back, I've just looked at the year for this. I remember, do you remember Hour of Victory? I don't know. So like after Call of Duty, after Modern Warfare, it was it was kind of just the whole like run across the 2000s, like Medal of Honor, Call of Duty, both sort of like, you know, blowing up, World War shooters, whatever. And Hour of Victory was the game that I just remember it was, it was sold on the fact that the bodies would ragdoll more than other bodies. Right. And that was all we had all because we what else have you got to try and distinguish it? And Hour of Victory was like sold on the idea that it, it just had the best physics. Uh, only in terms of bodies would fly further. And I remember watching the gameplay going like, yeah, they, they certainly fly further, but like, there's nothing else to this. It was such a nuts period because there were some decent games released in that time, yeah. but none of them were Call of Duty. Even the ones made by DICE, like those Medal of Honor games, mm. at least for the multiplayer portions, it was just, it always felt like a worse feeling Call of Duty. And I, I yeah, had no yeah. idea what they were trying to achieve with that when <laughs> Call of Duty already had this massive player base. They, like you said, like there was no innovation going on. It was just mm. doing the same thing for about five or six years. And I think it was kind of Call of Duty itself that killed that period dead by going into sci-fi stuff with advanced warfare uh, with jetpacks and all of that jazz. Mm. But man, that was dying uh, so much in those final years. I remember when um, the first Homefront game came out and it was just, oh, yeah. what are we doing? What's going on? Is this all we've got? Is this the only meal you have for me? I don't even think Call of Duty now knows what to do. Like they, they came in as a World War shooter, Medal of Honor style, whatever. Modern Warfare was like, medium changing like entertainment defining yeah um, and then like you said they pushed into space and jetpacks because assumedly Titanfall was going to be the big thing then it wasn't and then they just sort of languished for a bit did a couple of, did World War 2 didn't really do anything like the WW2 game um, and then now it's just sort of like do we just do Modern, Modern Warfare again okay yeah. Modern Warfare 2 again let's just try that again um, because Black Ops 4 didn't work and we don't know and whatever and then now it's just like is Modern Warfare like just the only period that works for Call of Duty um, if you need to maintain that level of sales it's definitely like the most popular for it, isn't it? Mm. Every, like you said, every single time it's try to stretch away from that in a way people might enjoy it at first and mm. then always go, well, we want that period back. We want that style of gameplay It was back. like the whole, the boots on the ground thing and like Battlefield yeah. 1. And like Battlefield 1 is like incredible and very like, um, like impressive on like a scale level. But I just remember like, just for me, having grown up through that period where we got so exhausted with World War shooters, as soon as it was like, we're going back to boots on the ground in World War. And I was like, can we not? We, <laughs> we did this for 10 years, lads. Like uh, do anything else. Um, a question from Jack Asbury who says, hey lads, what's your favorite kind of video game protagonist? A self-insert, an authored protagonist, non-speaking or fully voiced? Oh. 
Oh, I'm surprised we've not talked about this before. This yeah. is a really, another, another really good question. <laughs> a really good crop this, this week. I think, a massive thank you to everybody who sent in their questions. I didn't even do the standard intro, but uh, but you massive didn't. thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, do you have one that comes to mind for this? I um, do. But. I tell you what's funny is the first time I went through GTA 3, I, that was my first ever mute protagonist. And I didn't, I mean, I played other games, but like, well, mute in terms of like overall, like obviously you have no voice acting in some older games. Yeah. Um, actually, no, that's not, yeah, 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 that would be the case. I was trying to think of other stuff where you didn't have voice acting. But I was so enraptured by GTA 3 that I didn't even realize Claude wasn't talking. Right. I, I was just, it just for me, those cutscenes were edited so well and they had such an array of like celebrity voice talent and everything else that I just kind of went through it. And I don't think I finished the whole game without realizing that, but it was one of those things where the conversation came after, especially as GTA 4's whole thing on Lunar Narrative Dissonance came in and like the idea of can you only do that style of game if you're playing as a blank slate? Um, realizing that, like, oh, there are massive benefits to the mute protagonist. So um, I'll just take fully voice. Like, I want a, I want a full character. I right, want to yeah, feel yeah. good that I'm embodying a character. I definitely like the customization side of it if it's, like, you know, Commander Shepard or something. Yeah. But give me a character that I love playing as, like uh, Lara Croft or whatever. Like, I want to have, I want to feel good that I'm playing as that person. I like them all. You know, it's mm. a cop-out answer. I think all of them have their strengths. All of them have maybe even a few weaknesses. My favorite games often are like the Naughty Dog style right. um, titles where you've got, like you said, these fully defined characters, these fully voiced characters. But I think my favorite of the bunch, and I kind of mentioned this when we did our best games of all time podcast, mm. when we were talking about Red Dead 2, my favorite type of protagonist is one that's co-authored. So someone like your Arthur Morgan from Red Dead 2 or someone like Geralt from The Witcher franchise mm. where you have someone with a kind of loosely defined personality. They are a person who exists in the world. They're not an entirely custom character, but the developers mm. give every player enough agency over them so that they're a little bit different. Mm. You can make different decisions. You can go down different paths. You can slightly alter that personality. You can change the way they look, um, but you're kind of in tandem authoring this character together where they give you the basics and they give you a map of where you can go and it's up to you to kind of navigate that character and personalize them um, in a way that's kind of truthful to you. I think that's a difficult balance to get right, but one that can be incredibly rewarding when it is achieved. I don't know if Geralt's the only character that does that. Like, because I like in, a, in the best way possible, yeah. that's one of the reasons I loved Witcher 3 so much was that he was like a perfect video game protagonist because you could shape him your own way and then it was written into the story that he lost all of his memories and he and when witches can't feel emotion and whatever. So, like, yeah, I think it's really hard to walk that line. Like Absolutely. I mentioned Shepard before, but, like, the more they tried to make Shepard a character in Mass Effect 3, that was what killed it for me because I was like, this wasn't my Shepard. I know what you mean. Ah, oh, that is true, I suppose... The, uh, I would absolutely lump Shepard in, especially across those first two games. Definitely the first two. You know, you get like the broad strokes of who that character is. You know, you can kind of customize their background, but mm. they're a specter. They have this team there on this ship, and you can kind of decide what kind of commander you're going to be, but everyone will re will refer to you as Commander Shepard. Yes. Commander Shepard is a known entity in that universe. And I love other RPGs where you get to completely create a custom character with their unique name mm -hmm. and completely change you know, who they can be. But I love those RPGs or even action games that kind of tore the line and they're mm. like, okay, he's a framework to, to work with. Um, he's a kind of general trajectory they're on, but have a lot of fun yeah. um, 
in the details and changing those details and personalizing those details. I think for me, it's just a level of like purpose to whatever, like it, it don't just have an arbitrary empty slot for your protagonist, like try and tell a story or, or do something that feels empowering. Like I always go to like Devil May Cry and Dante if we're talking about like how much fun it feels. And it's same with Nero, like it feels really good to play as those characters. Like it yeah. feels fun to embody them. Like I love the Demon Slayer game um, from like a couple of years ago. That's a really good playable version of the anime and the graphics and the presentation are incredible. And I love just, I'm always going to love playing as a fully formed character kind of thing. Um, even though you can go on great journeys like on Mass Effect or whatever, but I don't know, at some point, I've never really thought about this until now, but I do I do love controlling a character, yeah. like a written character. Um, and that's why I'm adoring Final Fantasy so much. And I think there's, you know, there's so many great things and um, developers can do when that character is defined. You know, we talk mm. about it all the time, but the end of The Last of Us hits I was just gonna because it's not a choice and it's you have to you know, do what Joel the character would do in that situation mm. and that makes it more powerful because the agency is then taken away from you and you're kind of inhabiting this person um, rather than the other way around, which I think is really neat. Yeah, and I don't know if like, I wouldn't, it's not necessarily like a maxim, but I think sometimes there's more you can do with that. Mm. Like Last of Us like hits so hard because they force you to then control Joel yeah. um, and force you to like live with that and like, and, and then figure it all out. And I think that's like a really cool way to go. Question from Alpha Oliver, what's your favorite type of potato? Au gratin? Au gratin? Au gratin. Au gratin. Sweet chips mashed, maybe a hash brown for Josh Brown or a tater tot for Scott. <laughs> and if we're talking gaming, 2023 is an eight out of 10, so. Far. I also ask people what they would rate 2023 out of 10. Um, yeah, I mean, I hate tater tots. Why? Interesting. I don't, why does Papa, I don't know if Papa John's globally, I don't even know which countries Papa John's operates in, but we have one in the UK. I know yep. they're American. They're in America as well. They don't do fries. They don't do wedges. They only do tater tots and they suck. Listen, I like a posh pizza as much as the next person. Yeah. But these pretentious pizza places who refuse to do fries yeah. on the side when no, you're you just doing that, a big takeaway pizza... I don't want any wedges. I'll t I mean, I'll take the wedges if that's all I'm going to have, but mm -hmm. I want fries every single time if Same. I'm having that kind of food, in my opinion. Yeah. But to me, every potato is good. I don't mind what potato you put in front of my mouth. I'll eat it. I'll eat it raw. I'll <sighs> eat it cooked. I'll eat it without seasoning. I'll eat oh, it with Jesus. seasoning. It's not the post-apocalypse. I don't know what the... the <laughs> eating them raw? Why are you eating them raw? <laughs> like I'm a bloody Matt Damon and yeah, um, just, yeah, the Martian. Surviving on Mars. I, I, uh, I, yeah, I'm a big mash fan. Mash <sighs> with mint sauce all the way. Mash and gravy. Me, but mash with peas. Yeah. Throw a lot of peas in, throw a bit of gravy in, mm. have a bit of mash. Mash is probably the best. I'd mash think. and gravy is pretty good. You know what? Last time I was on this podcast and we yes. derailed it with a chat about um, <laughs> what you have on your Sunday roast. Yes. I have three potatoes on my Sunday roast. Okay. Not, I have two. Not three individual potatoes, three <laughs> types of potatoes. Yeah. I have mash. I have roast potatoes. Roast to the king. Sometimes I have new potatoes, and I just think I want that variety. New potatoes freak me out when I was a kid because they mm. have the, they have like the skin. Yeah, and I you didn't saw like, that. like when you cut them and they have like a little flap of skin, and I was yeah. like, oh, I don't want that. But then I was introduced to peeling the skin off and then cooking them with just seasoning on. True. Really good. That kind of turned me around on the new potato hype. Yeah, it's one of those things where across the length of time that a roast takes, sometimes a new potato might get squished or smashed or sliced into other things to put with other materials. That At some true. point, I would just give it and make it mash. I'm going to tell you this right now. Yeah. I'm going to tell you this for free. Do it. Um, the only potato that I'm not a huge fan of is a jacket potato. A divisive choice. I feel mm. like some people swear by jacket potatoes, and a lot of the I feel like the UK's office population are fueled by jacket potatoes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I yeah, never been a huge fan. Never hardly ever get them right. That's it. They're Maybe hard I've to not get had right. A good one. Yeah. Maybe I've not had a good one. I'm really enjoying uh, <clears throat> sweet potatoes as of late. I never used yeah. to rate them that much, but really enjoying. sweet Shout potatoes. out to Swede Mash. 
Just a bit of the mixing the two together. Is that right? I don't know, to be honest, but I've had it. It's the same color. Uh, it's, it's very nice. Um, question from Brad, who says, Album of the Year has to be Take Me Back to Eden by Sleep Token. Thanks for the recommendation, Scott. Anytime, don't worry about it. With that, what's the best game that was ever recommended to you that you hadn't heard of before? Oh, um... This is hard, but my mind goes to stay out of the house. That's only ah, because really? I haven't finished it. Oh, yeah. Like, I like I need to get... That's the thing that I've been waiting to get back to. Now that I've finished Final Fantasy 16, yeah. that's the next thing I'm going to, going back to. Because I'm going to nice. the beginning of that game. We talked about it before quite a lot on the podcast. Um, but it is like a throwback PS1 retro-style horror that's very blocky and very cool and lots of VCR filters yeah. and whatever. And uh, that's just a really cool horror game that was recommended by you, Josh Brown. It was. And, uh, and it's one of the ones that I want to get back to. I'll be shouting that out all year. Yeah, yeah. Stuff all about that. Um... Your friend and mine and PlayStation Accesses, Ash Millman, has recommended me a lot of good games mm. over the years. Most recently, um, Madison was a big hitter yeah. that she literally sent up to my flat in Newcastle, <laughs> the, the game itself. Mm. And I played that and was blown away by it. That's definitely one of the biggest, mm. I think. She also was instrumental in introducing us to Dredge. Yeah, she we, was. we barely yeah. knew what I knew Dredge was a thing. Yeah. But then when it was like came from her and then you started playing, it was like, no, 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 this is a special thing. Absolutely. And then it is absolutely one of the games of the year. Yeah. I, actually, I don't think Ash has ever recommended me a game that I've not liked, no. which is good. She picks them really well. And I'll tell you <laughs> who else picks them really well. Also, your friend and mine and former What Culture writer mm. Benjamin Richardson. Yes. Who years ago now put me on a game mm. called Kentucky Route Zero. Oh, God, yeah. And I absolutely loved it. It's this kind of really esoteric indie game that was about 10 years in the making and released episodically. And then he recommended it to me the year the final um, installment dropped as a complete package, and I played that, and I've, to this day, not played anything like it. No, it's very unique. Resonated with me massively, so, yeah, shout out to Benji, who uh, put me on that game, and it is featured in lists for years. Oh, yeah, I think that's one of the, you talk about things that are, like, the best written video games, like, comedically, maybe Escape from Monkey Island or whatever, but if you get, like, more serious subject matter than Disco Elysium, I would put Kentucky right next to Disco. Definitely, It's just, like, just a very meaty, thick, oily game to get lost in. Especially if, as the end of this question said, you Mm. know, as for something that wasn't on your radar before, I had at least heard of Madison Mm. and and Dredge and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Kentucky Route Zero, even though I was writing about games at the time, I had not heard a thing See, about that's that. See, that's the weird thing that makes this hard and why my mind could only really go to, like, stay out the house. Or um, the other one you played that has uh, the one with the Hollywood people and the sets. Immortality. And immortality. I didn't know what that was either, but you found that on Game Pass. Nine times out of ten, 9.9 times out of ten, I make a point of keeping up with everything. Like, Kentucky Route Zero, when that finally wrapped around, I remembered when that was launched, like because right. it was in development for, like, ten years or whatever, in the other different segments for it. Um, but, yeah, I love a recommendation. They're Me very... Too. Seldom as coming across my radar. I think, yeah, obviously, we do this podcast. We love talking to people about games. Yeah. There's nothing better than They don't like listening all the time, but you know, <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> yeah, no. you got to do something about it. <laughs> but when someone recommends you something and you're like, okay, we'll give this a try, and then it turns out to be good, and then you have a little <laughs> chat about it. Beautiful. It's a beautiful time. Um, a question from Coach Marv, who says, if you were tasked with giving a tour of your gaming setup, what's one thing you'd single out as your most prized item? And what's one thing that you'd try and brush past in hopes that people wouldn't notice because you regret buying it or you're <laughs> embarrassed by it? <laughs> I'll start with the embarrassed okay. thing because I have like five PlayStation 2 games that I'm really embarrassed that I own. I can, mm, I was going to try and guess all five. You've got Cold Fear. Oh, no, not the ones. embarrassing. I was going to say, not the ones you'd be embarrassed by. Yeah, no, no, no. 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 Well, I own Simon Cowell's Pop Idol <laughs> on PlayStation 2, which I would probably hide away. How much was that? 
Um, it was a birthday present. Okay. So I'm not entirely sure. It I love probably... the idea that the retro market has boosted the price of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. It probably still has the price on it. I think <laughs> that's probably the most embarrassing thing that I own. Hmm. The best. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. The thing that I own is probably... God, that's a great question. I own um, yeah, Silent Hill 2 Director's Cut, mm-hmm. which is insanely pricey now, and I mm-hmm. think that's going to be a prized pre- pre- uh, possession by the time the remake comes out. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really pleased I have that. I have a lush, um, like, mint-condition Ultimate Spider-Man on PlayStation 2. Ooh. None of these are, like, incredibly fancy, no collector's editions or anything like that. Just it's only your prized possession. That's it. Like, these old games that are really personal to me, and mm. I'm pleased I have a physical copy of. There's probably a few more, but I'm going to hand it over to you. 
Oh man, it, I, I don't have anything that I'm embarrassed by. If it was something I didn't, it's just, it's just weird to not to commit to something you'd then be embarrassed by. Like I, I'm all in on whatever I'm buying. Yeah. Like if it's a, if it's figures, if it's uh, memorabilia or something. Um, yeah, there's nothing I'll be embarrassed by in terms of something that might be even more quirky or potentially cringe. I guess uh, something more like some of the random PR packs that we got years ago, back when physical packs were still given out. But even then, like you know, just because you've got like a it's like a document folder with a bunch of like fake documents in. I can't think what game had that now, but it was like a confidential, you're opening it up as if it was like this wax seal uh, thing for like a cop-based game. I can't think what the hell that thing was. I like stuff, stuff like that. Like that. Same. Cool. I love yeah. that stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I always cherish that as like, oh, it's it's a, it's unbelievable to be able to do this for a living and yeah. look what it, they send out for free. So yeah, I'm not remotely embarrassed by anything that I've bought. Um, in terms of the prize possession thing, my go-to is always the Geralt fight in the Griffin statue from The Witcher 3. Um, nice. it's, it was in the collector's yeah. edition. I missed the original original um run because it was like one of those things where i was looking forward to the witcher 3 but i'm i'm never someone who's well it depends on the franchise but i'm rarely someone who's going to just cough up more than 100 quid on a collector's edition for something without knowing the quality of, of the game itself and so um, it was only after playing through the witcher 3 that i was like i'm gonna need i need something for this i always yeah. have that itch when you talk about gaming habits or just habits in general um if i play through something and it matters at all i will get a t-shirt or a figure or whatever something anything can't wait for the clive figure the final <laughs> Fantasy 16 um and so, yeah, so I was like, I need that, uh, the uh, Geralt and the Griffin statue. But at that point, it was like 200 pounds or 250 pounds. And there's only so many of them made anyway. Um, but I was like, F it. I just, I need it. I found it on eBay. I was tracking it on eBay all the time. There was some that were like a thousand pounds and everything. And one of them was on the buy it now thing. So I just threw money at it and managed to get it. And that is like a really awesome statue. It's a polystone statue. And you get um, like a box that's signed by all the team and everything. Yeah. And uh, that's my main prize possession. You know what? My big regret is my flat's not big enough because it's mm. one room. I don't have like a gaming <laughs> space. Like my gaming space is my on the floor. mass entertainment space. Mm. I don't have enough room or enough desks to put good stuff like that on. So I've only got like a big thing full of games. Mm. And those are like my prized possessions. I suppose as close as I can get right now. Yeah, I got it this year with like the CRT television mm. and the PlayStation 1 with... Neversoft Spider-Man, which, you know, I was shown off on Twitter when, that, when yeah. I got that because I was really proud of that. I thought mm -hmm. that looked really sick. That's probably as close as I get, though. I've got, yeah, in that vein, I've got, like, a pristine copy of the original Metal Gear Solid. Like, nice. not the platinum one because yeah. I don't like that. The I always wanted the original run because back in the day when it... Excuse me, as I do a weird noise. I uh, first played through Metal Gear Solid when it first came out, and that was that is still my favorite game of all time. But I, when I was a kid, I ended up trading it in because I wanted something on PlayStation Two or whatever. And then as you get older, you're like, ah, I kind of want it again. And like those PS One cases are so chunky and awesome to yeah. just put on a shelf. Um, so getting that back and it being a pristine version from like a market seller was awesome. Um, yeah, stuff like that, Jedi Power Battles and oh. uh, just random PS One games. And I've got a copy of the original Sonic on Mega Drive, a big chunky, the original case from the nineties, a uh, big chunky cartridge. Um, a question from Jim Donaldson who says, in modern games, there seems to be a decent balance of male and female protagonists. While a depressed dad has almost become a meme, can you think of any examples of playing as a mum? This is hard. Yeah, not playing as a mum. It feels like a big oversight, right? I can think of one, and it's not even in a good game. There was a game called... Um, Amy, and it's not good at all. It's yeah. actually like massively insulting. It sort of tries to deal with a. Um, I think I'm pretty sure you play as the mum. Like I said, I've not, I haven't played it, but I remember it doing the rounds as a. It's like a mother daughter combo, and it's like the. Um, I'm sure the daughter has like some sort of um, like mental condition, but they play it off in that really outdated way of like, has she actually got superpowers? Right, and it was okay. like no. But I remember that was a game where I'm. I'm I swear you play as the mum trying to protect the daughter, but I cannot think of mum protagonists. No, nah, which is such a damning indictment on the state of yeah. protagonists. That we should have way more mums. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, people 
might have more knowledge on this. Like the 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 mams that I can think of in video games are often played as like uh, villainous characters. I mm. think of you know Mother Miranda in oh, Resident and Evil Eight. Mm. Yeah, I think of um, I can't remember what she's called, but the the mother in the new Resi games. And maybe even the yeah. older Resi games, where mm-hmm. it's like she's there and she's kind of a villainous character. Mm-hmm. Not Resi games, sorry, Gears of War games is what I'm trying to right, trying okay. to, trying to get at there. Mm-hmm. And every single time they kind of play that trope, it's often like you know a vengeful mother, you know, yes. someone who's been consumed by that rage and they've turned like, villainous. Um, at least Freya, off the top of my head, God of War Freya. God of War Freya is a perfect example. And I was so pleased, by the way, I was really, really pleased that in Ragnarok, spoilers, she doesn't remain a villain in that way. Yeah. For the entire game because when I remember when the first trailer dropped for Ragnarok and you get the reveal that it's Freya out for blood which mm. does track with how the first game ended but I just kind of thought man that's a, that's a trope we've seen a lot and true, true. I kind of wanted a little bit more to that character and there absolutely was to that game's credit by the end like she was way more than just that archetype yeah uh, even though that was still an integral part of who she was they I thought they managed to do it so, uh, justice there. Yeah, same. I think it is one of those things where, like, it is true that the whole, like, depressed dad thing's become a meme. It's also, like, a meme that if you happen to have a female character, they'll be inspired by their dad or trying to do right by their dad yeah. and not just want to do the thing because they want to do the thing. Um, yeah, I would love way more uh, mum characters or things where, just, just, I mean, you can almost just swap it out, like, in yeah. terms of, like, the um, narrative propulsion for it or whatever. But, um, yeah, like I said, that's uh, a hell of a comment on the state of protagonists that we very rarely do anything with mothers or the idea of motherhood. Absolutely. Which is which is a shame because some of the best movies, some of the best books are all about motherhood. I did yeah. my entire university dissertation on motherhood in horror movies, Scott Telford. Yeah. So I want to see more of that in um, video games because the, the dads have had their time. <laughs> We've had some absolutely impeccable games, mm-hmm. like, the, like they said about depressed dads. Let's see, uh, like, uh, I'd love to see especially, like, as a playable protagonist, like a mother-daughter relationship, yeah. which is so unique and so special and has a lot of complexities to it, mm-hmm. at least if from what my sister will tell me. Yes. Um, that I feel like that's ripe for exploration in the video game space. Same. Someone like a Naughty Dog or, um, you know, something like, uh, like a more narrative-driven game, like a Telltale-type game or something might be kind of cool. Well. Or something like that. Funnily enough, here we go. We go um, we d- we could have The Last of Us Part Three incoming, yes. and spoilers for The Last of Us Part Two. But by the end of that game, Ellie does end up as a mother with Dina, and they have True. a kid together. So maybe that could be a big, um, you know, blockbuster release where you do yeah. finally play as a mom. Well, she, yeah, okay, yeah. The, the end of Last of Us Two, yeah, she's a mom. Yeah. So like, okay, yeah, you can yeah. totally take Ellie. It's yeah. just that they haven't done a story about motherhood. That's like it, the yeah. whole point of the end of Last of Us Two is leaving that behind. Um, a question from Suggy Roo, who says 2023 is a solid eight out of 10 so far. A question though, what is the best anime opening theme ever and why is it Demon Slayer season one? Also favorite album this year is Truth Decay by Yumi at six. I would say that the opening th- the thing is Demon Slayer Demon Slayer season 3's theme goes way heavier than season 1 is that right I'll, I'll go with that one I think a lot of people would probably say Pokemon Pokemon I feel like pick some sort of anime theme I know this is way out of your depth it is I does anything like, come to mind for anime theme I've Dragon Ball like, yeah this is it I've watched like 3 anime <laughs> animes and they're like the most popular things in the world so I'm going to give a very base mm. answer so mine would be Dragon Ball but uh, only because like 
It's the only one that I still know. Dragon Ball's a shout. Yeah, I'm going with Demon Slayer season three, even though I do agree that the main theme for Demon Slayer is a shout. I just love the riff in season three. It's heavy as F. Mm. And I'm a big fan. Question from VK's Vikings Personal Training. All I want is the mighty return of couch co-op. Nothing I enjoy more than getting to game with my wife. It has mu- If it has multiplayer, then it should have couch co-op. Album of the year so far is Fall Out Boy so much for Stardust. <laughs> what a pick. That was a game where, an album where I love the singles more than the album itself. I never actually got around to listening to uh, it in full, which is a shame. I we used to love Fallout Boy. Yeah, back in the day. I even looked like save rock and roll and stuff. But don't know why I never got around to that. That is a very divisive Fallout Boy album. I really liked it. You know, ten years ago today that came out. Not today, but you know, ten That's years horrifying. ago that came out. Question from Just Golf Thirty Four. Overall, loved the game, but the length of the main storyline in Jedi Survivor was surprisingly short. Like, holy s, that's it levels of short. Overall, my eggs are firmly in the Spider-Man Two basket for favorite game of the year. Later on, um, yeah, thoughts on Jedi Survivor's story pace? You know what? I thought I, mean, I thought it was pretty lengthy. I thought it was pretty lengthy. <laughs> 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 we, we were doing all the side stuff, though. We did a lot. We did almost everything in that That's game. That's it. I, I did. Even as I was playing through, I got virtually 100% in that game. Mm. The only thing that I didn't do by the time the credits wrapped were a few outstanding um, bounty hunter missions mm-hmm. and maybe one or two collectibles that I didn't really need. But every major location I went to, even every side location that I went to. And honestly, I thought it was, to me, that's like the perfect length for a game now. Yes. Get, give me a, like a 20-hour game where I can complete the main campaign in 12 to 15 mm-hmm. and then do a few side missions on top. Um, as a 70 sort of pounds experience, I don't know. To me, the, the length justifies that. I never felt like it was... Um, I don't even feel like it was Actually, lacking. Yeah, I kind of thought it was... I'd be interested in like a follow-up from this if we do a follow-up like in the coming weeks or whatever on one of the other podcasts on the wind-up of the main show um, about like sort of perfect video game length or things that outstayed their welcome or whatever because I didn't feel that with Jedi Survivor. I thought it had a good amount of twists and turns, especially towards the end. I'm not going to do spoilers, um, but I felt like they had a good they had a good way of elongating that stuff. Like that was my biggest issue with that game was I've said so much is that I wanted to love it more. It was just that the performance got in the way. Yeah. But those story aspects and the framing of it and everything was by far the strongest part of it. It's funny because the question says there was a moment where they kind of said, oh, is that it? Yeah. In the office, when we've talked about it, I think we've all kind of all said that there was a moment in the game where we thought it was going to end and then, then it didn't. Then yeah, there's more hours after that. And then we were like, oh, that actually, <laughs> that is surprising in a good way, which yeah. is, I think, funny. Yeah, I think it's entirely an interesting discussion about what, like you said, what is your perfect video game length? What are you expecting when mm. you go into a game like Jedi Survivor? Because, yeah, it was a it was a lovely surprise in a way that didn't feel like I was being shortchanged um, and, you know, given like a five-hour experience. Yeah, yeah. Did you have, a, have you ever had a game where you were just like, oh my God, this won't end? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I, mm. I, I, oh man, I want to get so much crap for this. I love Sekiro. Yeah. But the last five hours of that game, where you have to kind of backtrack through a bunch of locations you've been to, mm-hmm. I really didn't like the pacing. You know, we've talked before about kind of mentally wrapping up, and when the game doesn't, um, run parallel with that it just kind of feels a little bit frustrating oh if you're done before the game is done yeah. there's nothing worse that's it I thought Sekiro was wrapping up I'd mentally kind of prepared to close <laughs> it off and then it threw me an entire you know multi-hour story to come and even when I replayed that game when I was going through all of the From Software games last year mm. I got to the same point and then I, t- I turned it off I was right. like okay I've got my fill there's just something about that game where I got my fill and then I was done Days Gone is another big offender <laughs> where I was really enjoying oh, that, that's, that yeah that's torturous you're, you're like 30 hours in and it throws you an entire new map and you just think <laughs> I thought you were going to be done and then you then you weren't mine um, by far is Uncharted 4 and <sighs> it's, some of it is just because I had that game for review and it, we did have it like a week or two early and um, there was just one of those things where like you said you feel like it's wrapping up and then it doesn't and I remember thinking that all the Elaine stu- Elaine stuff just 
just went on way too long towards the end. I was just ready for it to wrap. And then there was a, you know, like uh, trying to do that pirate ship bit where like it's kind of become more notorious for like the amount of like uh, hit scanning that the enemies do and you keep getting sniped out the sky and everything. And uh, it was just that thing. And then like you and uh, Sam break apart and yeah. then, then you go over your own ways. And I was like, oh my sweet Jesus, can you not just end this game? I'll tell you what, the only game that, I can recall recently where I've gone, is that it? Are you joking? Right. was um, Resident Evil 3 Remake, where yeah, I could not yeah. believe the shortness of that game. Like, I think I finished it in four and a half hours. Yeah. In for a, it's DLC. Yeah, like, for a yeah. full price experience. That was one of the only times where I'd paid full price and outright regretted it because I knew I wasn't going to go through it again. And what was there was good, but it, mm. was, it was not especially enough to justify the lack of content in it, in my opinion, especially coming off Resi 2. Well, plus, um, like, in that game as well, like, having the Nemesis himself, itself, when you're, like, fighting it and it transforms and it's like, oh, so the, all that entire first phase is just done now. It's a yeah. different creature now. Like, that was, like, that first phase was a way bigger deal in the original and now it's just done. I think part of it was, part of it was my own fault, but part of it, I think, was Capcom's fault because there was so much they could have done with Resi 3 and people were talking about what, how, how they might expand the game, mm. you know, before launch. How would they make it bigger, especially with the Nemesis after they had Mr. X. But it's it's funny playing those two games back to back, and I'm probably not the first person to say this, but it feels like they got the um, sort of what would you even describe it? The timeline mm. switched around because Mr. X feels more sophisticated than Nemesis. Yes. It should have been like, Mr. X should have been the starting point and learn all those lessons and bring that tech over totally. to Nemesis and they just throw it out the window and mm -hmm. it's like, like I said, if you were playing them back to back, you'd think that Nemesis was the starting point Massively. and then Mr. X was uh, the evolution of and that. And you kind of like, no. you have to assume that like they were, do they were assumedly building towards making some sort of like incredible pursuer enemy thing and I will just prototype it with Mr. X and then for whatever reason, like I, I, I always, maintain that Resident Evil 3 was almost meant to be DLC. It was meant to be some sort of little addendum release to Resident Evil uh, 2. Maybe you would call it the Nemesis Chronicles or whatever. And then it was like, ah, we can get money out of this. We can call yeah. it Resident Evil 3 and put it out that way. And then it just, like you said, the main event was Mr. X instead. Um, question from Honest NPC who says, hello, amazing legends. Hope you're doing well. Well, same to all of you. Watch the YouTube video on the games that get good after X amount of hours and what are our views on this? Is it a reward for putting up with the bad parts of a game or is it not respecting a player's time? Personally, I fall in the latter camp. Yeah. Um, me too, for the overwhelming majority, the only time. And it's the thing is, like, I'm going to say this, and I'm not defending how long it takes to kick in, but I definitely feel like this is the case with Final Fantasy 16. Because um, I do feel like that game has, it takes about 10 hours to kind of play its cards. Um, it opens very strong, and then I found that it, it was in like a lull for about 10 hours, um, which is a lot, it's way too long to like yeah. to delay a game. At the same time, I think that the amount of time you then have to spend with NPCs and um, side quests and the level of immersion that you have in the lore that then sort of like reveals its hand afterwards, where you have a specific character, uh, Vivian Ninetales, that like specifically is designed to then fill in all the blanks about all that stuff, to me was worked eventually and I get I, I don't think that's an overall defense of it it definitely worked for me overall in that game I came in at about 50 hours when I finished it yeah so it all worked for me but I, I don't think you should have to put up with you no. know x amount of hours unless it feels like it's baked in I largely only put up with it because it's Final Fantasy I think there's a difference between putting up with a game for an X amount of hours and having like a slow build. Like some of my mm. favorite games ever have a slow build where you might not even get into the, you know, crux of what the game is for five hours or True. something. You know, Red Dead Redemption 2 has that lengthy opening where you get a lot of cutscenes. you're in the winter and then you mm. get down to Strawberry eventually. Death Stranding is the same where you have a full hour and a bit cutscene and then you have a few tutorial missions <laughs> and then you have the tutorial area and then it opens up. But I think the difference is in those games, while they do get better from that point, 
the start is still compelling. Mm -hmm. They still give you enough to latch onto where it doesn't feel like a waste of time. It's only when it feels like a waste of time where I just, I can't defend it at all because it's like, like, you know, I've played games that have had bad starts and gotten better, and I'll champion in them, mm. but I won't excuse them. And if I'm recommending I think that's my them, thing. yeah, I'm not going to be like, you need to play this game. You need to get through the first 10 hours because, no, you don't. Like, your no, time yeah. is worth more than that. I wouldn't recommend a TV show necessarily if it had, like, a terrible first season. And there always needs to be something there worthwhile mm. to play. Otherwise, I have no problem with people just cutting their losses and not experiencing what I experienced because 10 hours of time is a lot. Yeah. And that's like a whole other game, if not two other games. Which is know? why, yeah, I mean, I said it, my, my main sort of drive was like, well, this is the new Final Fantasy. It's one of my favorite IPs. I'm going to get through it. And that wasn't the entire thing. I, d I do think the mystery from the beginning of the game is cool um, in terms of the stuff that they set up with like Joshua and Clive and everything. But um, yeah, I think that like video, the whole thing about like video game length over time, the idea like, oh, it has to be 20 hours, it has to be 50 or 100 or 200 or just infinite time like Diablo 4 or whatever um, is fascinating because we, are, we have like per story the longest of all mediums. Like yeah. you're not going to be, you know, reading a book for 100 hours or something unless you deliberately, you know, want to take more time with it or something. Like if it was focused time, comparing focused time across different mediums, I feel like gaming is the one that takes the most time on average. Yeah. Like per thing you're taking in. Um, but yeah, we just sort of arrived at this point where games are like not only supposed to be absolutely gorgeous and incredible in 4K resolutions and detailed AF, but also take up 60 hours of your time. Like yeah. Death Stranding is like 80 hours long. It's crazy. And like, it? that's nuts. Like it really is when you think about the amount of time and effort that needs to go into that to try and bring it all together. Yeah, man. I um, mean, it's crazy. I mentioned Days Gone there and that is another game which it takes a long time to get going. Like the first eight hours or so, I hated it. I remember <laughs> I was reviewing it and I thought, Scott, like this might be the first game that I reviewed that I just absolutely slayed because right. I just couldn't get on board with it at all mm -hmm. but then it does turn a corner and it does get better and it is recommendable but with those caveats of look if you don't have time if you're someone who you know if you've got a family if you've got a job if you've got whatever <laughs> that whatever man's got a is, family yeah where you can't like get that time in or maybe you just don't want to you've got yeah. other interest you know that time is precious like i can recommend you it to a point i can say that stuff is worth seeing mm. but everyone's going to be different. Like the the person who sent in the Jedi Survivor um, question, you know, about that being too short. Everyone's going to be different in terms yep. of how, what they want out of a game, how much time they can put up with, uh, and how much time they have to spend. Yeah, man, definitely. I think it's one of those things where it's case by case. If it feels like there's enough seeds being planted, then you can entertain the idea that maybe it's intentional and maybe they're building to something or maybe it feels at home tone-wise. Like I did feel that with Final Fantasy. Um, I have such a love of the the Britishness of Final Fantasy 16, it's it's this weird line between Game of Thrones and like Emmerdale or something. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, it's so, and I, that's, I know the globally no one's gonna know what Emmerdale is, but just like in the UK, a whole bunch, we call them, I don't even know if other countries call them soaps, but like very like- I think they do, yeah, soap right, operas. Just like, yeah, soap operas, like very like standard, basic weekly dramas, uh, like Coronation Street or Emmerdale or whatever. And there's a, there's like a homely quality to those dramas or the way that those things are written. And that is very just like, just 101, British and it, I think uh, Final Fantasy has a lot of that and I loved being in that world yeah. and obviously they plug a lot more lore and a lot more things happen and whatever um, but yeah it has, it has to feel purposeful I think That's if it, it just feels like stodge or it just feels like I'm waiting Diablo 4 I've just given up on because I'm like well I'm never gonna is it ever gonna kick in more this yeah. is it like this is it That's it I think if you ever find yourself wondering is this gonna kick in and if you don't have a few things to latch on to or a few things you're finding interesting mm. then I would say yeah it's totally you know I don't blame anyone for cutting ties at that point because when I've had a slow opening there's always been a character mm -hmm. or an aesthetic or a or a style of gameplay where I've 
So I want to see how this develops, mm-hmm. and then sometimes you, you, it's 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 rewarded with a great shift in gears, and sometimes it just continues on that, and you still have a fun time anyway. But mm-hmm. you never want to get to the end of any game, no matter how lengthy I feel, and regret the time you put into it. Yeah. And you know, as we get older, well, now as we get older, as time goes on <laughs> and the industry gets older, games are becoming lengthier, and that investment is just getting higher and higher, and the risk is becoming higher and higher. Very true. There's a uh, Matt Delaney saying, "Listen to the UBP last week," and I. I think it's time sorry they've let me get away with this for too long it's called astro's playroom scott say it with me astro's playroom i don't know what i call it probably astro bot yeah what have you been calling it i don't know that's, uh, I, I love that game i'm gonna have to go back and listen to the that's last the best episode. playstation 5 game so far and <laughs> um, any clue what that studio is working on no sadly not a sequel would be great have a lovely weekend we will i want to do a final question from me to you what do you think of the gex trilogy being remade yeah i can't wait <laughs> yeah, i want it i want it on record i want it on record that in the last podcast we did, I think it was Tuesday, when yep. it went out Wednesday, we talked about remasters in the current state, and I said in that <laughs> podcast... <laughs> you that summoned it. Next up, I want to see either Croc or Gex the Gecko, and then a day later, it was manifest. i tell you what's fascinating with this, is that this is from um, Limited Run Games, who are like, they've got this new thing, I think it's called the Carbon Engine, mm. and it's a, it's a bespoke custom emulator that they are then doing licensing deals with various old school games like Gex. They also announced Tomba, which is a hell of a pull what is from that? the PlayStation 1. It's a platform where he plays like this little cave boy with pink hair and you could jump on pigs and ride them around. It was incredible. I played it when I was like six or something. Yeah. And uh, they're bringing Tomba back. Tomba's like... I, the five people know what Tomba is, but like the people who do absolutely love it. And so it's one of those things where I was like, oh my God, Tomba, like that's a name I've not heard in quite some time. Um, but yeah, so LR, it's called the LRG stream or something. They revealed all these different games and trailers and stuff. The Gex trilogy is one of them. It's all three of the original Gex games yeah. and the Tomba games. And I think there's a couple of other franchises as well, but they all are in the trailers saying coming to the Carbon Engine. And then they're listed as PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, whatever. And um, because limited run games are being the middleman between, the, I assume they're doing some sort of licensing deal and doing the dev work because they have their own emulator. Mm. And I was like, this has never been done before. No. Where like a, a, a merchandise company who does subsist on classic games and everything else is now forking out the money to bring the IP back. And I'm yeah. like, that's kind of incredible. Yeah. It's, nu- it's nuts that you guys have to do it. But like, um, considering that we talked a lot about video game preservation across the last week or so, um, at the same time, I love that Gex is getting a whole new, and there'll be merch alongside it and everything. And it's like, that's a weird, that's a cool way for it games is. to come back. I like that Gex is, you know, getting a proper time in the spotlight yeah. again. Like you said, with the merch, with the added kind of push of it being like a mm. proper release. It makes me wonder why games like this aren't on the PlayStation Plus service when you've got that classics library that isn't being updated. Like, surely <laughs> these games, every single one you mentioned, would be perfect fodder for that. Yeah. I feel like they're missing a trick there. Like you said, it's kind of strange that this company has to be the one to do this mm-hmm. and bring these games back. But it's um, weird as well that in the same, in the uh, trailers for both of them, what looks, it looks like new artwork. It's not like the, the render of Gex is new or it looks new. Mm. And so I, I'm so fascinated by the whole process. Like like who talked to who to get all this going? Yeah. And then what is it, what are these games going to play like? Because are, they, are you taking the original PS1 and N64 games and then just like, you know, up, making the frame rate better, smoothing out all the polygons and stuff. But are we talking about the same basic game as if it was just re-released 
on a new system, or are you doing more because you are putting it on this new engine? You are using, yeah. I guess it's an emulator, so you're not going to go into the guts of it too much. But I just, the whole thing fascinates me. And because the teasers are only like a minute for each thing, and um, we know that these franchises are coming back, they're on a new engine, which is also the emulator, and then there's new artwork in the trailer. So I'm just, I'm just fascinated by it. And like Limited Run, like, you know, they've had some great merch over the years. Like for me, they're in that same bracket as like um, I Am 8 Bit. Yeah. And like Zavi's been doing pretty well in the UK as far as video game merch goes. But it's just one of those things where I'm like, you guys are taking a step and I definitely appreciate that you're doing it. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm curious. Here's my final question to you then. Yes. I've had my dream fulfilled with the Gex trilogy Soul now River. being... Uh, okay. Soul River. Soul River. Everyone or just like the first one, second one? Oh, if you did a Legacy of Kings bundle, Kane. that'd yeah. be sick. But you'd have to do Blood Omen 1, 2, Soul River 1 and 2, and then give me Defiance or one one package. Yeah, I would love that. It's, but it's it's always Soul, Soul River staring them in the face. It's always Soul River. It's always it? Soul River. It's, that's the one with the, the more definable, easy fan base. That was the one that Crystal Dynamics asked us about yes. a couple of years ago. They did like, that survey like what do you want to see come back and everyone every single person put Soul Reaver on there <laughs> every single everyone person. and they didn't listen to it so it's uh, yeah it's, it's got to be Soul Reaver I cut you the F off there but it's because nope. I knew where you were going you knew the question the question was going to be my dreams fulfilled what do you want to see yeah. in the next wave of these remasters and emulations and just put, put up res Soul Reaver maybe answer. you do some sort of like graphical uptick or something to it give it the Xbox backwards compatibility treatment where it has auto HDR and the frame rates freed up and whatever else. And just, just make Legacy of Kane available. Yes. How hard is that? How how hard is it, Scott? How you know? hard is how it? How hard is if it? If a merchandise t-shirt company is stepping in going, well, well, we'll do it then. Then maybe someone else more official on the first party side could do it instead. Um, for now, though, this has been the Entitled Partner podcast. I didn't do the UBP, the UBP, the, the UBP. UBP earlier on, but I'll finish with it. I've been Scott Tilford. That's been Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always Thanks a pleasure to heard, to heard from... To heard. All of the people, all their questions. Massive thank you to everybody for sending them in. And we'll catch you next week. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.